This is the Early Childhood Research Podcast and you're listening to Episode 8. Welcome to the Early Childhood Research Podcast, where we tell you how the latest research can help in your home and in your classroom. Welcome, it's great to have you here. I'm Liz and I'm the host of the Early Childhood Research Podcast. This is Episode 8 and today I'm talking about anger management in early childhood and how to calm an angry child. You can find the written transcript plus links to free calming strategy cards at lizesearlylearningspot.com. Just click on the podcast tab and look for episode 8. Anyone can get angry given certain conditions, but some people manage their anger more effectively than others, and it's the same for children. Most young children will get angry, but there are great variations in how often it occurs and how extreme the anger becomes. It might be due to personality or because tantrums lead to them getting what they want. It might be due to genetic and environmental factors. It might be just the normal process of learning to deal with their own emotions. But it might also be due to speech delays where a child becomes frustrated because they can't communicate what they're feeling or what they want. It also might be due to sensory processing issues where a child experiences a bombardment of sensory stimuli that is overwhelming and and so they lash out. As adults, we need to observe our children to try and understand what triggers frustrated behaviours. We shouldn't just assume that they're naughty or spoiled or tired or seeking attention. If we're going to help our kids learn to calm themselves, we need to narrow down the causes and we need to be prepared to try many different methods in the search for what's most effective. When it comes to calming an angry child, there is no one-size-fits-all method. So just because we had great success with one child – doesn't mean we'll have equal success with another. Each child needs to find their own path with our support and it may take quite some time. We need to be patient, consistent and a supportive, positive ally during this process. Now in saying this, we must protect all the children in our care. So if an angry child is endangering another, Either physically or emotionally, we must certainly step in and separate the children so that both are safe and the situation cannot escalate. There are three steps we can take when implementing an anger management strategy in our classroom or at home. Firstly, we need to teach children to identify and understand their own emotions. Secondly, we need to teach calming strategies. And thirdly, the children need time to practice, adapt, refine and practice again these calming strategies that they've chosen to try. It's difficult for children to manage their behaviour if they don't understand their own feelings, if they don't understand why they're getting upset or the consequences of being angry. Experts encourage us to spend plenty of time teaching kids about emotions in general by reading relevant stories and talking about the scenarios and the behaviours of the characters, by showing them pictures of children, showing different emotions, taking photos of your kids, acting out those various emotions 
and using them for discussion. Now, of course, these talks need to happen when the children are calm, not when they're in the middle of an emotional episode. Talk about the physical changes they might see. A frown, a clenched fist, a tense jaw, faster breathing and so on. When you've had these kind of discussions with your child, they will be able to understand if you say, oh, I think your eyes are a little scrunched up and you're glaring at your brother. Are you feeling upset or angry? This is all part of the process for a child to learn to recognize and talk about their emotions so they can try and lessen them. It's also helpful for children to understand the intensity of their own emotions so they can learn to recognize oncoming anger and implement a cooling down strategy early in the process. It's so much easier to reverse emotion when it's only a little bit engaged. It's much more difficult when it's a full-blown tantrum. Many specialists recommend using a mood thermometer. So if you can imagine a picture of a thermometer that is green at the bottom for calm and red at the top for very angry. Children learn to look at the thermometer to gauge whether they're calm or whether they're a bit irritated or cross or really cranky or getting really angry at the top. Understanding intensity can help children recognize their changing emotions more quickly so they can enact calming strategies earlier. It's also very helpful as an evaluation tool so that children can decide whether their calming strategy is actually working effectively and whether another method may work better. It also might help them decide which strategy to use. For example, if they're just a little bit frustrated, they may find a quick hug is all they need. But if they're very angry, they may be better off sitting in a beanbag in the corner of the room and listening to some calming music through some headphones. In fact, some experts recommend that on a scale of 1 to 10, any emotional at any emotion at level six or higher indicates that a child should remove themselves from the immediate area of conflict. I've created a mood thermometer that you are welcome to download and use. You can find it in the show notes for episode eight at Liz's Early Learning Spot. Other methods that can be used for measuring feelings besides the thermometer are, for example, to use their hands, put them close together to show that they're just a little bit angry or to get wider and wider and wider as they're getting angrier. Or we can ask them, is your anger, are your feelings as small as your toy car or as they as big as your real car? You can ask, are you feeling as quiet as a cat or as loud as a lion? Once a child has an understanding of their different emotions, it's time to focus on teaching calming strategies. There are many, many different methods children can use to calm themselves and there needs to be a willingness to try quite a number of them in order to find the most effective fit. Also, as adults, we need to remember that it's the strategies that our kids find most effective that are important not the ones that might seem the most promising to us. 
It's best to teach about calming strategies for short periods, say just a few minutes at a time, but very regularly, preferably every day. Find a time when your kids are calm and start chatting with them about how they feel when they're angry and what they might be able to do to cool themselves down. Since all children are different, you might start with options you think might be effective and then broaden that out as you and your child start practicing together. For example, you might suggest that the child sits in a quiet place to read their favourite book. But if the child can't stay still even when they're calm, it might not be an effective strategy when they're emotional. Instead, the child might say that they'd like to squash a ball of Play-Doh. So you can pull out ideas that involve movement and distraction, such as painting, playing in a water tray or sand tray, or building with blocks. Ask your child to practice estimating their level of anxiety a few times each day, even when they're not anxious, and practice a few chosen strategies. That way it should be easier for them to implement them when they really need them. After they've calmed down, it helps to have a discussion about how effective the strategy was and whether they want to hold on to that idea or adapt it or toss it and try something else. So here are some ideas. Remember that what works for one child may have a poor result for another, particularly when it comes to sensory issues. Also, you can find this list on the show notes, uh, as well as the free printable with calming strategy cards that you can use with your kids during a discussion about what kind of uh, strategies they'd like to use. So firstly, deep, steady breathing. This is very popular. Ask a child to breathe in slowly to a count of four and then breathe out slowly to a count of eight. And you can do that four or five times. Or have them pretend to be holding a candle and they blow it gently so that the flame flickers but doesn't go out. Or cup their hands together and pretend to slowly blow them up like a balloon. And when the balloon is big and round, they can slowly let the air back out, or they can pop it by clapping their hands together. Or they can pretend, or really, blow bubbles with a wand. Physical activity. Tensing muscles tightly and then releasing them can bring instant relief to some. Just note that this can wind some kids up rather than calm them. So they could try sprinting, jumping, dancing, walking, hopping like a rabbit, tensing up and walking like a robot, and then flopping down like a ragdoll, stretching, yoga for kids, pushing hard against a wall, or pulling against a really large rubber band. Lifting objects or carrying them across the room, there are many, many options for physical activity. A quiet space. If we make an inviting private space, some children will take themselves there when they feel overwhelmed without even being prompted. The space should be fairly small and make use of pillows and blankets cuddly toys, a favourite book or song to play, something to squeeze or fidget with, perhaps a calm-down jar or sound-reducing earphones, some hard candy or gum to chew. 
a small space. Some children with sensory issues respond very well to being tucked into a very tiny place like a box full of pillows where they have to fold up their body to even fit inside. Or they might like to be wrapped up tight in a blanket or weighed down with something heavy. Sensory play. The goal with sensory play is to help a child focus on just one of her senses so that the others are blocked out to give relief. Try a water table, a sand table or sand pit, play-doh, clay, finger painting. They can paint how they're feeling at an easel or pretend to write a letter about why they're angry. You could fill a box with different textures such as feathers, furs, velvet, buttons or cotton wool. Fill another box with sound makers, such as a shaker, a triangle, paper to crumple, a conch shell to listen to, a small tin and chopstick to make a tiny ding-ding-ding, or provide headphones and music. Imagination. Ask a child to imagine they're somewhere else. For example, their favourite holiday spot or riding their bike, or flying like a bird over a beautiful mountain. Once a child has decided which strategies they'd like to try, and they've practiced them while they're calm, it's time to see how they go when their emotions are high. So it's time for practicing, adapting, refining, and more practice. Not only should a child practice their preferred strategies, but they should be encouraged to evaluate their effectiveness once they've calmed down. Some strategies will work better at lower levels of distress, while others will be needed for higher levels. Also, there might be differences between what works best at home and what works best at school, and what works in the classroom compared to what works in the playground. Keep in mind that this process might take a very long time and we must be patient. We also need to be consistent, making a point to encourage kids to use their calming tools rather than us giving in to their complaining or their whining or their tantrums. Another point to keep in mind is that anger issues affect everyone in the vicinity, not just those directly involved. Anger in young children can cause stress in families and in classrooms, so it may be important to have discussions as a group. This way, everyone can be open about how poor anger management affects them and consider strategies, support and agreements that involve everyone. Just to recap what we've talked about today, the three steps we can take to implement an anger management strategy are firstly to teach children to identify and understand their own emotions, secondly to teach calming strategies and thirdly to practice, adapt, refine and get more practice of implementing those strategies. And some of the most popular strategies are deep steady breathing, physical activity, finding a quiet space, finding a small space sensory play and using their imagination and of course talking talking about their feelings 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you go to the show notes, you'll find the written transcript of this interview and a free printable that includes that feelings thermometer and some free calming strategy cards that you can use with your kids. You can find the show notes at lizesearlylearningspot.com. Just click on the podcast tab and look for episode 8. If you enjoyed this episode, it would really help us out if you went to iTunes to submit a rating and review. Thank you for joining me to learn a little more about early childhood and I wish you happy teaching and learning. Thanks for listening to the Early Childhood Research Podcast at www.lizesearlylearningspot.com.